life, and I want to talk to you about the space in between deciding to make changes and then seeing changes happen. Have you ever wondered what happens in that space in between? When you decide to change something, let's say you, you, you realize there's some things in you that need to change, and you okay, uh, uh, and you may not feel good about it, but, but you go, okay, something needs to change, and then, and then you know, and then maybe, maybe people will tell you, well, it's going to be better, it's going to be this, oh, it'll be so good, but then nobody tells you what happens in between that time. Because the, the reality is, is you don't just say, okay, I'm changing, and poof, you're changed. I wish it happened that way. Okay, I'm ripped and skinny. Babe, I need new clothes. It don't work. I've tried it. It don't work. But there's a process and there's a time in between deciding to make a change and then seeing the change happen. And, And I just feel in my heart today that we really need to talk about that. Because I think that's the place where a bunch of us can get lost. Because I believe every one of us wants to get better. I believe every one of us wants to make some some good changes, some good life changes. But nobody's talking about the space in between. And so we decide to make a change. And then we kind of get caught in this in-between space. And if we're not careful, we'll relapse. We'll turn around. We'll quit. We'll give up. So the title of my message today is now what? And it's coming from the understanding of the previous four weeks of I've got emotions, I'm feeling something, they're telling me something, I can respond, now what? Now what do I do? So with everything we've learned over the last four weeks, I believe most of us are ready for some changes to happen. I believe most of us are ready for some things to to change. Right? Can you shake your head and agree with me a little bit? Or just, if, if you won't, maybe just do it by faith. Like, yes, I'm believing for a change. <laughs> some of you may have some questions, and these are very valid questions. What is it going to be like? What's it going to be like if I decide to change? How, how long is it going to take? Uh, what happens if, if, I, if I do it again? What happens if I fail? Will it really get better? Come on, any of you had those questions? Like, like if I decide to make this change, is it really going to, is it worth the effort and the energy? Is it, is it really worth it? Like, is it going to get better? <laughs> and if you're not careful, if you don't have any faith or trust and hope in God, then you can say, you can sit there and talk yourself out of it. Well, I just, you know, it sounds great, but I don't know. Well, the reality is, is you'll never know until you make a decision. So what you're getting ready to experience in this stage or in this process is a lot of different things. There's going to be a lot of things going on. There'll be changes. There'll be some suffering. I know that's your favorite word. There'll be some transitions. There'll be more emotions. So the goal of this series wasn't to get rid of our emotions. (laughs) I hope you didn't hear that because I don't think I've ever said that. We're not trying to get rid of our emotions because we can't, right? But it's to make them clear so that we can get better with them. And so there's going to be some temptations to quit, revert, relapse, all kinds of things. 
I want to share a, a brief story with you about a guy who had an opportunity to change, uh, but he chose not to. He's called the rich young ruler, and the story's in the, in the Gospels. And this rich young ruler came to Jesus one day and said, great teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, man, you need to keep the law, keep, keep the commandments, you know, blah, 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 gives him this list of things. He goes, I've done all that. And Jesus says, okay, well, then the only thing you need to do is you need to sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow after me. He turned around. Well, first he dropped his head, turned around, and walked away sad because he was a rich man. He had an opportunity to change. He had an opportunity to grow. He had an opportunity to have new experiences. But instead, he turned around and walked away sad because he didn't want to change. Does that make sense? And many of us, in in many different ways, have come to some things in our life where we've been given an opportunity to change, but can we just be a little bit honest this morning? How many of us have actually gone? Right? We've had opportunities to change, but we walked away from them. So this morning, I want to talk to you about three things. I want to talk to you about suffering. I want to talk to you about change, and I want to talk to you about transitions, because this is the in-between. So let's tackle suffering first. Let's just go ahead and get that pleasurable thing out the way. (laughs) Suffering, go with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 25, and and I want to show you what Paul said about suffering, and I think it's, it's going to help us. Romans 8, 18, it says, yet we, what we suffer now is nothing, say nothing, Compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So suffering is a part of the Christian life. Not too many people preach on suffering because nobody wants to come to a church and hear about some suffering. And I'm not here to tell you that we got to suffer and make ourselves suffer and live this poor life of suffering. And even when we're not supposed to be suffering, we're still suffering. I'm not trying to preach a doctrine of suffering. I'm just trying to tell you today, make you aware today, that you're going to suffer as a Christian in this life on the planet. There's going to be various times, various degrees, various, various ways that you're going to suffer. But you're going to suffer. If you're not ready for that, if you don't know that, or if you're denying that fact, then you're setting yourself up for some serious disappointment. Because you're starting to think, well, I'm not supposed to suffer. I got Jesus. That means I don't suffer. Hold up a second. Jesus suffered too. Come on. And you can pray all the suffering away you want to, and you can kill yourself trying to pray that suffering away, but you still might suffer. But there's going to be some times that we suffer as Christians. Thank God we serve the God of peace. Thank God the Bible tells us how to get peace, even in the midst of our suffering. Come on. So why is suffering Such a bad thing. Why is suffering such a big...
big thing to us. Come on, we spend a lot of time, effort, and energy trying to get away from suffering. How much money do we spend on our electric bills to not suffer at night with this humidity? I mean, come on, you might be sick for three weeks, but let the air conditioning act funny. You calling the, the, the AC man today. Why? Because we got to sleep. I don't want to suffer, right? But why, why is suffering such a bad thing? Why is, it such a, why is it such a big thing to us sometimes? I know people that spent most of their life running from suffering. The problem is the suffering's fast. I had this thought that maybe suffering is big in our minds because we don't understand suffering's opponent. You see, suffering has an opponent. It's called God's goodness. It's called eternal life. What Paul is telling us, that this suffering that you're now going through is nothing compared to the glory you're getting ready to go to. The problem we have with suffering is that we get to see, taste, touch, and feel suffering, but we don't get to see, taste, and touch the full measure of God's glory. That's not going to happen until heaven. So we got we to gotta hope for that and live for that by faith, right? But what we have to deal with right now is suffering. So suffering is so big. Why is it so big? Because we're not thinking about the future glory. We're not thinking about the day when Jesus comes back and we get to spend eternity in heaven. Bro, I get a new body. And I'm not trying short. I'm trying tall and slim. If I got any say so. Extra slim maybe. I want to know what a skinny man feels like. And suffer. Suffering seems so big because we don't understand God's glory. Because none of us have yet experienced it. The Bible says right here that, that all of creation is suffering with us. Think about all that God created. The animals, the birds, the fish, the trees, the grass, the flowers, the water, the earth. It's all suffering right now. We're not suffering by ourselves. All of creation is suffering. Now watch this. It even says that all of creation is hoping and longing for that future glory. So so we're going to have to receive it by faith that one day this momentary suffering will end. Once and for all. Come on, somebody. That's what you're hoping for right now on this planet, and you're probably not going to get that. But that's what we're hoping for. Why are you telling us this, Pastor? Because I don't want you to be ignorant about suffering. I don't want you to go chasing it down. It doesn't make you a super Christian. But I want you to know that it's coming so that when it comes, you're ready to deal with it. Amen? I want to prepare you to deal with it. It's coming. Let's deal with it. Let's be ready for it. All of creation is suffering. We're going to suffer until Jesus returns. I think we have a hard time with suffering because we've been programmed to respond to it in certain ways. You ever watch your kids respond to certain things 
and you see yourself in them, let something of theirs break. I bet they act just like you. That's maybe how some of you act. I don't act that way. But then you go and you go, when we clown in my house, we go, act like you. <laughs> That's just like your mama. <laughs> but suffering is a part of life. For an example, somebody who exercises regularly understands suffering. But I want to show you something in the process of exercising that I used to know. <laughs> I still know it. I'm just not experiencing it right now. Is that, is that there's, a, there's a moment when it comes to exercising, like if I started to exercise tomorrow, I know this much to be true. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to feel like I'm suffocating. I'm going to feel like I, <laughs> I need a doctor. I'm going to be tempted to talk about every ache and pain. I'm 45 now, so everything hurts. I'm going to be tempted to quit. It's going to take some suffering. But what I know from my past experience, from high school, even to beyond, beyond college, I used to exercise and work out. I was always in shape or out of shape. <laughs> I would go from in shape to out of shape to in shape to out of shape. And finally, I decided I like out of shape better. It feels better. It's more comfortable. <laughs> it's not much suffering. Wrong. There's a portion of time where we suffer until we get like a breakthrough. I used to run three miles a day. <laughs> it was a different version of me. <laughs> Slimmer, lighter, and faster. <laughs> Believe it or not, I used to run three miles a day. And I, started, I, I decided to start running, and I knew it was going to take some time. And I started running. I could only run like a mile at a time at first. And then over time, I got my lungs, got my wind, and I kept pushing in, kept pushing in. It was still suffering. I kept pushing in. And eventually, I was able to run three miles without stopping, which was a victory in itself. And I'll never forget when I started to get my stride, I actually had a stride, <laughs> and I started to get my wind, it was, it was like I finally learned to open up and just run. It was like I, I came to this realization that, okay, the, the, the hardest part of the suffering is probably behind me now. I've broken through that part. I know that I'm going to suffer in the future with this, but I've got something that I can work with now, and I'll never forget it was a day I was running. I used to run on the service road on the side of Highway, one, uh, side of highway 90 in Franklin, and I'll never forget the day I got my stride. It was like a day I broke loose. I was running, man. I was going, and I got my stride. My legs started opening up further. I felt good. My wind was good, and I was like, whew, boy, I can run. Man, and it felt great. And then not too long after that, we moved and I quit running. <laughs> but I had a breakthrough and I enjoyed that breakthrough, the suffering. And what I want you to hear me say today is that we're going to suffer at various degrees, various ways and at various times, but you can always break through that suffering. You're, just because you're suffering doesn't mean you're at an end. Come on, somebody. Just press through it, Right? Don't let it defeat you. Press through it. Verse 23 says this, And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including, come on somebody, new bodies. 
that he promised to us. <laughs> Watch this. You never suffer alone. We've already established that all of creation is suffering with us. As believers, we're all suffering together. But you also have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's suffering along with you. But watch this. He's just a foretaste of what's to come. So think about how the Holy Spirit has moved mightily in your life and brought all kinds of incredible things into your life. Listen to me. That's just a taste of what's to come. How many of you remember going to Buffalo Wild Wings the first time? They said they had this whole list of flavors, right? And you're like, man, I don't know. Well, what does this taste like? Well, what is, and, and, the, and the waitress or the waiter would say, well, would you like a taste? And what would they do? They would bring you a little dab on the, on the, on the lid of a, a, a cup lid, and you would get to pass your finger. I like the way that tastes. Give me some more. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste of what's to come. Say it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. He's a foretaste of what's to come. I think of, of all the Holy Spirit has shown me, all that he's done in my life and around me, and I go, man, if he's just a foretaste, heaven is going to be incredible. You think about heaven much? He's just a foretaste of what's to come. So we're going to suffer, right? It's okay. It's going to be all right. Jesus is coming, and this is going to be over with, and one day we're going to be in heaven looking back saying, man, that wasn't nothing. And hopefully there's not somebody there reminding us, yeah, but you were sure freaking out about nothing. (laughs) So let's talk about change. There's five stages of change I want to share with you this morning. The first one is pre-comp contemplation stage it's where you you're contemplating change you're contemplating but it's it's more of a pre-contemplation you don't really know or will admit that you have a problem you ever been there other people are telling you you got a problem but you're not admitting or realizing that you have a problem they're like man you really my wife will tell me you really need to start exercising I feel great I'm I'm in the pre-contemplation stage It's like denial. (laughs) I know what the solution is, right? But I don't agree that there's a problem until I look in the mirror. You might not see the problem, but other people around you may see the problem, and you you may feel pressured to change by others. You ever been pressured to change when you didn't want to change? If you can't see the problem, then why in the world would you want to fix the problem? In this stage, you'll be tempted to change the conversation when it's brought up. My wife and I ate the other night at this place, and they had these incredible little biscuits. I like biscuits. And they bring you four. And I knew that wasn't going to be enough. I said, you want some more biscuits? And I knew she said, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm getting some more biscuits. I didn't want to talk about what she was thinking because I knew what she was thinking. If you're not careful in this stage, you'll start to blame shift. You'll start to give excuses for why you don't need to change. Well, if y'all would all get right, I'd be right. 
the pre-contemplation stage. The second stage is the contemplation stage. It's the stage where you, you start thinking, okay, uh, I need to do something. I think I'm somewhere in between contemplation and preparation with my physical health right now. And I mean that seriously. This, these points or these stages really punched me in the nose, and I didn't like it. Um, but in this stage, you might start thinking that I don't want to feel stuck anymore. Um, you, you'll, you'll begin to admit you have a problem, and you may even have plans to eventually take action, but you're not in a hurry. You're just contemplating, just contemplating, yeah, I probably need to change. Yeah, I need to start taking my wife out on a date. Yeah, I need to be a little softer with my voice. Yeah, I'll get to it. Contemplating. You'll find yourself thinking about the future instead of thinking about the past in this stage, which is a good indication. And then the third stage is the preparation stage. This is where you you make plans to, to start taking action. Um, it's the final adjustments that need to be made, and, and, and there's some things that need to happen. You may still need to be convinced. You're, you're preparing. Uh, if it's your physical health, maybe you're signing up for the gym, or maybe you're thinking about, like, really signing up. <laughs> maybe you're adjusting your schedule some so that you can make some changes, but you're in the preparation stage. And then the fourth stage is the action stage. And this is where you openly modify your behavior and your surroundings. This is when you make the move. This is when you make the change. It's the, it's the action stage. It requires the greatest commitment of time and energy. You can say you want to change till you're blue in the face, but until you actually step out to make a change, that's when the, you really get tested. That's when you really get tempted. Come on, am I speaking to somebody this morning? It's the action stage. The fifth stage is the maintenance stage. And by the way, most people can't see their own progress. Usually other people see your progress before you do. That's why it would be good to have some people around you that have your best interest in mind so that they can encourage you as the change begins to happen. And then there's number five, the maintenance stage. And this, this stage is here because change never ends with action. Oh, every January, this is what happens every January. People go to church and people go to the gym. By February and March, they start bailing out. Why? Because they're not maintaining what they've decided to do. They're not, they don't have any maintenance going on. They're not trying to maintain the change. You see, change doesn't end with just taking an action step. You've got to maintain it. Come on. You've got to maintain it. The reality is, is most of us will go through these phases three or four times until we finally get it through them without slipping up. And you may just fall back or relapse or backslide into a, to what you used to be or to a previous stage. You may go back to pre-contemplation. You may fall back to preparation. But whatever the case is, keep going. Keep going, keep going, make the change. Amen? And by the way, you can still learn in your slip-ups. God doesn't waste slip-ups. And 
Next thing I want to talk to you about is transitions. We're talking about what happens in between transitions. My freedom group people will know, all of you that have been through freedom, the freedom life group will know this example well. Transition is what happens when we swing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to the tree of the knowledge, um, to the tree of life. Transition is the time that you let go of one tree and you swing and grab a hold of the other tree. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's been through freedom. It's, it's the transition. Uh, before, we, before we swing, we are considering change. But once we leap forward away from one tree in the air between the two trees and before we attach to the other tree is called transitioning. This is, to me, this is the part that we really need to understand. It's a time of transitioning. Most of us view change differently, and it can be overwhelming, can it? As we change, transition happens. Change is something that happens to people. Transition is what happens in people. Change is what happens to people. Transition usually happens internally in our minds. Change can happen quickly. Transition can take more time. You see, transition is found in the process of change. It's not change or transition. It's transition within the confines of change. I decide to change. In that process of being changed, there's a transition. And if we're not careful and we don't understand what goes on there, we can get lost. I'm just trying to help. Three stages of of transition, then I'll wrap this up. The first stage is this one. Stage one is ending, losing, and letting go. There's going to be an end to something. If you're going to change, there has to be an end to something. One day, I will have to say goodbye to Bluebell. One day, I'll have to tell it, it was good to know you, bud. I'll see you in heaven. (laughs) I'll see you on the other side. But there's going to be an ending to something, a letting go, a loss of something. And sometimes that's what we have the hardest part with is letting go of something because that's comfortable to us. That's normal to us. Have you ever heard of, of people who have been in an abusive situation and, and then they, you try to help them get out and they, and they get out and then they go back? And you're like, what the heck's wrong with you? They're having a hard time letting go of something. Right? I don't want to go to the gym because I don't want to let go of the sofa. Come on, it's comfortable. But there has to be an end to something. There has to be a letting go of something. We're in the transition phase. I'm going to have to let go. You remember jumping off the diving board the first time? You got to let go of the platform. You might have a hard time letting go. It's okay. It's okay to have a hard time letting go. I think it's normal for all of us at times and in different ways. We need to give each other time to accept the change. Come on, married folks. We need to be, impatient. We need to be patient with each other. It almost sounded like impatient. Some of you are going to say amen to that. We need to be patient with each other. We need to give each other time to change. Here's here's another point. Sometimes we fear what we don't understand. 
So you may be telling somebody, man, it's better. Trust me, it's better. If you'll do this, it's better. If you'll make this change, it's better. It's good. It's good that you make this change. But if they don't understand it, they may still be in fear of it. Is it making sense? They may, they may not want to step into it because they, they're stepping into an unknown. So what do we do? Research. Learn. What am I going into? What are the benefits of exercising? I'm using exercising a whole lot, but what are the benefits to that? What are the benefits to me stop screaming at people? How does it help my family if I start to get my emotions in, in order better? What are the benefits of it? Maybe I won't pass this anger down to my kids. Maybe this generational anger thing will stop with me. Amen? There can be a fear there. The second stage is what's called the neutral zone. And this bridges the old and the new. This is where you're honestly, you're just swinging in the air. I think of Georgia the jungle. <laughs> George, George, Georgia the jungle, look out for that tree. Y'all remember that song? Yeah, some of you won't admit it. Which is the the, the neutral zone is when you're just kind of in 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 between. You've let go, <laughs> and now you're in this place called the unknown. I got some friends that went zip lining for the first time this year, and one of them told me said the hardest part was letting go. <laughs> I was like, amen. <laughs> I don't trust the cable. So letting go, it's, it's, a, it's a space in between. The neutral zone can be scary. You may have a hard time letting go. You're going to face a lot of temptation in this, this stage. You're going to feel a lot of things. There may be some confusion, some uncertainty. Maybe you're going to get impatient. You might find some, res- some resentment. You may, you may have some low morale, maybe some low productivity. You may get anxiety about your new role. I know when I went from the business world into the church world, there was a season of, of transition for me where, and it, it took, I don't know, my wife will tell you, it took two years. I didn't realize she was putting up with me, but she put up with me for two years as I was transitioning through this. Now, I pray none of us will have to go through two years of transitioning, but, but it was a transition. And one of the parts of it was, it was trying to figure out my new identity, trying to figure out my new status. There was, there was some anxiety about who am I? What's it going to be like? Who's gonna, am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be good at this? I've got to apply new skills. I've got to learn new things. You may be faced or tempted to be skeptical. <laughs> it's sometimes fun to watch people go through change because they, they'll get skeptical. <laughs> and that's honestly why we need other people around us. The Bible never wanted us, God never intended for us to be alone. Because when change comes into our life, we're going to need some people around us to help us keep going. Right? Man, you and your wife look like y'all getting along better. Yeah, yeah we are, but you know, I just don't know how long it's going to last. Skeptical. You ever get Skeptical. Sometimes you'll need to remind yourself of the goal of the vision. The Bible says people perish with with a lack of vision. Maybe you need to post it somewhere, and I'm not talking about on social media. 
They, they still make post-it notes, y'all. You can write on them and they stick to your mirrors. And then you can look at your goals. It would be good to set yourself up for some quick wins. How many of you are goal setters? You can set some good goals. Okay, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, okay. How many of you set your goals up so high that you get discouraged because you can't reach them? I'm like, 100 pounds in 30 days. <laughs> At day 15, I'm like, I quit. <laughs> Stuff don't work. Come on, right? What if I did a pound a week? I can miss one meal. <laughs> Set up some quick wins. Maybe break your goals down a little bit smaller so that you get some wins. Because there's power in the win. When you get a little win, man, I'm telling you, it energizes you for the next one. Sometimes we set our goals too high, and, and, and we don't have any in-between goals, and we don't break them down any, so then we get discouraged in the process. What if we just set some smaller individual goals in the big goal? What if in marriage your first goal is to be nice? Preach, preacher. That's one of my goals. Just wrote it down. Be nice. My wife and I are flipping a house together. You ever want to test your marriage? Do some construction together. My new goal is to be nice. I don't know what hers is. But you need a, a quick win. Amen? And then the third point, and I'll, I'll, I'll get into this more next week, is new beginnings. <clears throat> Stage one is the ending, losing, letting go of something. Stage two is, this, is the neutral zone. This is the part where it can be scary sometimes in the unknown. Stage three is new beginnings. <clears throat> this is the stage where you start to accept the change. If you'll stick through it and you'll process through it, you'll start to, you'll start to uh, gain some energy. You, you'll start to see some change happen and you'll start to get energized by it. Come on. A quick win, the, the, the power of a quick win is that it can, it can recharge your energy to keep going. It'll re-energize you to keep going. It'll stir your faith up in the Christian world. It'll, it'll stir you up and get you, man, let's go, let's keep going. Dave Ramsey does, does Financial Peace University, and many of you have been through Financial Peace University. He's got steps to financial freedom. One of his first steps is to put $1,000 of, of um, emergency money and cash to the side. And to some of you go, $1,000? But man, let me tell you, when you get you about 150 bucks saved aside in the cash, that gives you a little bit of energy. And before you know it, you got 300 bucks. And then before you know it, you got 500. And then boom, you got $1,000. And you're like, we got $1,000 in cash. Oh, don't spend it. <laughs> Bad. <laughs> Come on now, some of you are like, Bad. It's a new beginning. You're starting to experience change 
It's a good thing, right? That's what we're going for. We're going for change. We're going for something better. We're trying to let go of the old and grab a hold of something new. I don't have to be a basket case my whole life. I can live with these emotions in a healthy way, and I can have a new life with these emotions. Amen? I may not always control them, but I'm clear in my understanding of them. I know what they're going to tempt me to do. I'm starting to recognize what they're telling me needs to happen. I get better relationships. I can have a better marriage. I can have a better relationship with God. A clearer relationship. Anybody want that? It's going to take change. It's going to take change. Change is going to require transition. There's value in biblical community. We need each other. Come on, somebody. We need each other. I can look at people now and see change as it's happening. There's something that happens with their countenance. Instead of walking in like, they got a little purpose in their step. Sometimes the, 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 the color of their skin will change. I mean, like you see a brightness in their eyes and you're like, whoa. You know what my responsibility to do is? Man, you're looking great. Man, that's awesome. That's exciting, right? Come on, man. You, things are going well? Yeah, they're, they're going well. Good, man. Keep going, man. I can see you're looking better. Things, you look like you got a little pep in your stuff. How many of you could use that every now and then? Come on. Like a genuine kind, not like a, a fluff. Fluff works the opposite way. Oh, pastor, you look like you lost weight. I ain't lost no weight. What you want? <laughs> fluff me? I'm already fluffed. Right? You can experience higher energy and a new openness to learning and a renewed commitment to see change happen. I believe if we'll trust God and and, and walk through the process, understanding our emotions, seeing them clearly, challenging our belief system, Learning how to let it out in a good way. Embracing the change and the transition. I believe we're set up for new experiences. New life. New relationships. Renewed relationships. Come on, somebody. I can tell you this from marriage. Every time I've I've asked God to change my marriage and make it better, he started with me. And I'm sure if my wife would have prayed the same way, he would have started with her. Amen? 